When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're doing the double dip this week. That's right. Dipsy do double roo on the big Breaking Big Blue podcast. That's because it's playoff week. The Giants are in the playoffs and this is the playoff preview podcast. We're going to talk to a former Giant who has a Super Bowl ring, the great Chris Canty in a few minutes. To break down this matchup and the season as a whole of where this Giants franchise is. And I was thinking about it. This podcast wasn't even in existence the last time the Giants played a playoff game. Right? The 2016 season we're talking about. So that means January of 2017 is the last time the Giants were in a playoff game. Of course, that was the Green Bay game, the boat, the boat trip game. The take your shirt off before you play game, the drop game, right? Because they all drop passes, and it was a disaster. It was a disaster for me as well. Told the story before. I'll tell it later in Jordan on the beat. Man, that was a rough trip. Woo! I was not feeling good. Throwing up all over Lambeau Field. Get to that later. But let's talk about this matchup for a second. So the Giants and the Vikings are playing. The spread remains at three. So essentially, you get about three points just for being at home. So if they're playing on a neutral field, we're talking about two teams that would be close to even in regards to the spread and the odds makers and what people think will happen in this game. Even, okay? 13-4 and four against 9-7-1. Uh, and one. It's so hard to remember the Giants' record because of that tie and the 17 games. But amazingly, the home team, who's 8-1 and one at home, got to respect that, tough place to play, Sure, Dallas went in there and spanked them. Giants lost by a field goal, 61-year field goal as time expired. Still, they lost. Everyone aside from Dallas, who went in there, by the way, put a beating on Minnesota, 40-3. to Everyone else that went in there has lost. So, I mean, we could say what we want about Minnesota. Still a pretty good team, right? And, and I'm looking up and down their roster. And to me, and I've mentioned this, I think, last, the previous podcast, Garrett Bradbury, their center, is back to practice this week. He was a full participant on Thursday. I'm taping this Friday morning. Him playing or not, to me, is gigantic. Huge. Because you talk about the advantages the Giants have, and I think it's a few things. Dexter Lawrence on the interior, especially if he gets to play, because not only has Garrett Bradbury been injured, but they've been playing Minnesota with their backup center. He's now out for the year. So now they're on their third-string center. So even if they have their starter back compromised, not at 100%, to me that's a huge upgrade over playing your third stringer who probably can't even hold Dexter Lawrence's jock. Would probably just get pushed back into the backfield and be done on every single play. Garrett Bradbury at least has a chance. This is a quality NFL player. Quality NFL center. Now, when you look at the Giants roster, you say, okay, who are the difference-making players on this roster? Got Dexter Lawrence, got Saquon. 
You got Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas. It's hard to be a real difference maker, though, when you're the, uh, an offensive tackle. You got Evan Neal struggling on the other side. And Evan Neal has struggled badly, really badly. I believe he's 53rd out of 55th on pass block win rate right now. And the last time he played Minnesota, don't want to go watch that tape. Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith had their way with him. And that's one of Minnesota's advantages. They have those two guys. If you line up the pass rushers, first two guys on the list, at least on the edge I'm talking about, are Zadarius Hunter and Daniel Hunter. And they're both on Minnesota. And I think what we're going to see, and they move Zadarius Smith around a lot, Mark Lewinsky said he saw him probably like a handful of times in that previous game, is if I'm Minnesota, and I think you'll probably see this, Zadarius Smith moves inside. Daniel Hunter's going to be over Evan Neal, and they're going to overload that right side of the Giants' offensive line, which has been the which has been problematic this year, and say, we want our two best guys against those two guys, and let's see what happens. So those are their difference makers. Now, for the Giants, it's Dexter Lawrence, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. I can't really put Aziz Ojolari in there. Good chance he's just a situational pass rusher at this point uh, because – he had that ankle injury. I have a hard time seeing him going out there playing 40, 50, 60 snaps. The Giants will probably use him, but use him judiciously. You know, I could see 30, 40 snaps. But when you know it's more rundowns, you might just want to keep him out, not overload him, make sure you could use him to the best of his skill set, which is the pass rush. And then you have Adoree Jackson taping again this on Friday morning. I'm expecting him to be back as well, Leonard Williams too. Now the thing with Adoree Jackson is – I view him generally as the perfect number two. The guy, he you can get by with him as your number one, but he's not a true number one. I don't want him guarding high-end wide receivers one-on-one anyway. Now he hasn't played in seven weeks. Do I really want him matched up with Justin Jefferson one-on-one? Not at all. Do I think he could hang in that matchup? Not at all. Now it helps to have him back, but you got to help. You got to have double coverage on Justin Jefferson as much as humanly possible or he's going to run wild. He's just going to go wild. He's too good. And then TJ Hawkinson in the middle of the field is another potential danger spot for the Giants. I don't know how they, you know, you, we could sit here, we could say, you know, because Jalen Smith and Micah McFadden have been starting at middle linebacker. Landon Collins has played more. Do I want Landon Collins guarding TJ Hawkinson consistently? No. Do I want either of those two starters? No. People say, oh, Jared Davis played well in the finale. Do I want him guarding TJ Hawkinson? No. So, yeah, okay, we say, let's use Xavier McKinney now to guard him, and that would be a better matchup. Now you're taking one of your safeties and putting him on the tight end. How are you then going to sit there and double-team Justin Jefferson consistently? It's not going to be easy. Wink Martindale is going to have to come up with some unique plans. And when I look at it, and I just mentioned a bunch of their guys, Hawkinson, Jefferson, I didn't even mention Kirk Cousins, who's like, you know, I would say Cousins and Daniel Jones are about equal right now. Now Cousins has a history of not playing well in the playoffs, but Daniel Jones has no history of playing in the playoffs, which isn't great either. First-time quarterbacks, the history is not great. The recent history is not great. Quarterbacks making their playoff debut. And really that's the case for a lot of Giants. So I am a little worried about that. I am. And I think Daniel Jones's legs are something the Giants need to use big time in this game. Like that's what make Dan, makes Daniel Jones Daniel Jones, right? His legs. And there's no holding back in this one. So that zone read, I expect to see a lot of it. With Daniel Jones pulling the ball often. Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones. 
yeah, the Vikings secondary, it stinks, but I don't think the Giants can afford to just go slinging around the yard, getting a shootout with this Minnesota team. This Minnesota team, to me, has more and better difference makers. I just mentioned. Cousins, I didn't even mention. Dalvin Cook, Jefferson, Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, TJ Hawkinson, Harrison Smith. The Giants difference makers I have as Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and I'm stretching, but I'll say Xavier McKinney. I'm only saying it's stretching because he hasn't played much in the second half of the season after that ATV accident. Played one game, wearing a huge mitten on his hand. He has to basically, if he has to go try and intercept the ball, he basically has to trap it between his two hands because that thing is a big padded mitten. I was watching him uh, Thursday at practice. It's just not natural. So to me, Minnesota has the better playmakers, the home field advantage. I expect it to be loud, especially after Nick Gates made those comments. A little extra loud just to show him. Though I think it would be ridiculously loud there anyway. Cool stadium, great stadium. But the Giants' advantage is what? The head coach and the coaching staff. Kevin O'Connell's done a great job, by the way, for the Vikings. He really has. 13 and 4 in his first year. You got to give him a lot of credit. But the way Brian Dable and company and Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka and that whole staff have been able to scheme it up this year has been impressive. Because you're looking at their roster, and it's not as good a roster as Minnesota. It's not as good a roster, obviously, as San Francisco and Philadelphia and Dallas or even Tampa Bay. But the Giants are in this spot because Brian Dable and his staff have done a tremendous job of extracting every last drop out of this group. Every last drop. And in order for them to win on Sunday, I think they're going to have to do that again. Here's what I know about Sunday. We're going to get a tight game, a close game. Number one in playing one-score games in the NFL this year, most wins, Vikings, 11-0. Second, Giants, 9-5-1. So what does that say? This is going to be a one-score game. Book it, one-score game. Those plays at the end of the game are going to matter. And that's why, to me, I mentioned a lot in this podcast, the difference makers. The Vikings have more of them, in my opinion, but the Giants, in order to win this game, they're going to need their difference makers – Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Saquon Barkley, those three specifically to make the plays down the stretch. And when I was speaking to Saquon the other day, he said, you know, we view our core, our best players as like the guys. And those guys didn't make enough plays down the stretch the first time in Minnesota. And they need more out of the guys, really the handful of guys that I mentioned, you know, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Saquon Barkley, Xavier McKinney, he considers uh, Julian Love. And the reason I didn't mention him on Difference Makers, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a standout difference-making type player. He's not a player who wins you, who can win you games at the end. I don't view it like that. I view Dexter Lawrence as that kind of guy right now. I view Saquon Barkley as that kind of guy. And I know I haven't mentioned Leonard Williams either. I don't view him as that kind of guy right now either. He's been so banged up this season. He hasn't played in, what, the last past two games pretty much. He's been dealing with injuries. He didn't have the greatest season anyway. I think his pass rush win rate was something like 10%, right? We're talking about Dexter Lawrence being like 15 17%. The big difference there. I actually think he was even lower than 10% off the top of my head. Leonard Williams didn't have a great year as a pass rusher. But he's been banged up, and that's why I can't put him in that category. So Dexter Lawrence has to play huge. And if Garrett Bradbury is there or not, 
is going to matter in this game. So keep an eye on that before the game starts on Sunday. Now let's get to our guest, Chris Canning. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, let's bring on Chris Canty, half of the Canty and Carlin show on ESPN Radio. Also, you can find him on Get Up, uh, First Take, all, all over the place now these days, Chris. Uh, Congratulations on the success. I love to see it. You know that. And uh, it must be fun to see this giant season for you watching from a distance. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you say watching for a distance, but I have the opportunity, the privilege rather, to be able to do the postgame show for the Giants on several occasions. And this is a fun team to follow, as you know, Jordan. I mean, just finding different ways to win each and every week. And I love the fact that this team has some semblance of an identity. We haven't been able to say that for the better part of the last half decade. And I think that's attributed to what Brian Dayball has done. What do you view it as? Change it. Well, it? I think I think it's a belief in the path to victory each and every week. And Brian Dayball, rather than trying to fit players into his system, has found what the guys do well and try to put them in those situations and avoid putting them in spots where their weaknesses can be exploited by opponents. And so I think that's as big a thing when you come, when you start to evaluate whether or not a, a person is a good football coach, a good head coach, is do you have the ability to identify the talent on your team, recognize strengths and weaknesses, and build mm-hmm. the scheme around that? And I think that's fair to say that Brian Dable has done that, particularly when it comes to Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, so we'll go there because you just mentioned it, Daniel Jones. Uh, what's it like to see the transformation for him and are you completely, I mean, we've, I must ask you this question, you know, every three to six months, uh, how, how sold are you on him being that guy now? Uh, I tell you what, I'm more sold on it than when I was at the beginning of this season. And I said it after the giants got out to that great start at the midway point, it, it was right during the bye week. And I understand a lot of people were disappointed because they went to Seattle and lost. Mm-hmm. But I said in that moment, I said, the second half of this season is going to be a referendum on Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And if they can somehow find a way to punch the Giants ticket to the postseason, I think you're bringing both of those guys back in 2023. The Giants were six and two. They were six and two going into their bye week. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, this was going to tell the story. The second half of the season, you need your eight players to step up when we get on the other side of Thanksgiving into December football. 
And I think it's fair to say that the Giants have done that uh, in being able to win the games that they had to. Uh, I, I couldn't be more proud of this team because this is a team that's shown a lot of grit, a lot of toughness, both physically and mentally. And I think that's something that every former Giants player and every Giants fan can get behind. Yeah. Now, so they got on me on the case show the other day on Wednesday. I want to get your opinion on this. So I put out a tweet saying, look, if you're going to make a referendum on a quarterback off one playoff game, that's silly, right? A first time quarterback. And that's not just applies to Daniel Jones. That applies to guys like Justin Herbert, uh, even Skylar Thompson, all these other, other guys. I think there's five of them, five quarterbacks that are making their playoff debut this, this week in the playoffs. Uh, And they said, no, no, you know, Daniel Jones, he has to play well. You know, this is a huge game for him. And my thing to that, and tell me, where do you sit on this? He already played five or six, you know, playoff type games in regards to high pressure. They needed to win. The pressure was on him to play well. And he played great in the second half of the season. So if he played five games at that level already, you know, down the stretch, if he happens to have a bad game in his first playoff game on the road, does it really leave a stench to him? Like, does it make it harder to sign? Does it really cost him money? I don't think so. They appear to be on the other side of that. Well, what are the alternatives? Let's look at it from that standpoint. What What, what is Joe Shane going to go out there and do? I mean, I don't think they're at the stage in their program building where they're going to take a huge swing and try to trade for a quarterback that wants out of this situation. Uh, no, I, I don't, think, I, so don't think, I don't think it makes sense to go down the road of Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, because those are not long-term options. So right. I, I think you stick with Daniel Jones. and you The other alternative, Chris, would done. be – the other alternative would be Tyrod Taylor and draft a guy, I think. Like that, if there was another alternative, that would but, be. But, I mean, so you're going to draft a guy in the back half of the first round? I, I mean, I guess you could go that route, but what are the chances that that guy is going to be ready to be your QB1 in 2023? I, I mean, I, I just, I think you None. double down None. on the potential and the intangibles that you saw in Daniel Jones back in 2019 when you took him with the top 10 pick. Uh, you continue to surround him with the requisite pieces. I think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. He's proven that he's a quarterback that's capable of taking the team to the playoff to the playoffs. Now, is he capable of winning a championship is a different discussion. But Agreed. right now, the Giants are trying to get to the point where they can have sustained success. Before you can have those championship aspirations, let's talk about not having back-to-back losing seasons. Let's talk about being able to put together back-to-back winning seasons. I mean, you're talking about this team coming into this year, this franchise, Seven of the last eight seasons have been double-digit loss seasons. So mm-hmm. let's talk about not having, you know, this, you know, once every five years playoff appearance. Let's talk about being able to stack playoff appearances and then build from there. So I I, I know the guys from the K-Show. I disagree with where they're coming from. I, I don't think that this game is going to sway whether or not the Giants decide to offer a contract or franchise tag Daniel Jones this offseason. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll move on from that. But to be fair, I think they were more of the lines that it would cost him significant money one way or the other. But to, I don't even agree with that. But I don't agree. I don't even agree with that part of the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned it, you're obviously you won a Super Bowl with the Giants. Yeah. You know what it means to be on the Giants and be on a winning team, and what it, what it sort of does for you as an individual, right? And I talked to a bunch of guys about this. This is like where you become if you're a good player, you could become a great player. You're a great player. You become a legend like this. Like 
Not, this isn't anything against Tiki Barber, who's like an, ama- uh, an incredible player. But there, Tiki Barber is who he is in Giants history. And then Justin Tuck is who he is in ha- Giants history. And there's, because, a, there's a difference. There's right, a big difference. because he did it in the Super Bowl. He won two Super Bowl bring, rings, Justin Tuck. Yeah. Tiki Barber, who is a great player, great player, like pro ball player, it's not the same because he didn't have that overall success. So what advice would you give to, let's say, a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, rookie here, first playoff game, going into the playoffs, what would you say to him? Well, I think the most important thing is to focus on the fundamentals because before you can go out there and win a playoff game, you have to avoid losing playoff games. And a lot of times guys will do things that are out of character because of the intensity and the speed of the game actually picks up. And it's something that you can't quite prepare for. People can tell it to you, but you don't know it until you're actually in it. So I think that's the most important thing. When the game speeds up, slow your mind down and focus on the fundamentals of your position and what they're asking you to execute as far as the play call goes. That's how you find your way into a lot of big plays. That was one of the things when I came over to the Giants that Osi Yumiura and Justin Tuck told me once we got into the second season. And those are guys that have been there and done it and had success at the highest level because they came through the Dallas Cowboys in 2007 on their way to the championship, and that was my former team. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best advice that I could give any young player going into the postseason. Sometimes you got to slow down and speed up. And when I say slow down, slow your mind down. So the game really is that much faster to you? Like it, it, is, was? it is. When was it your is. first? When was your first playoff game? 2006. It was up in Seattle. You remember when Tony Romo botched oh, the field goal at the end game? of the game? Yeah, of that course, was my first playoff game. And, and Jordan, I had the privilege of going head-to-head against Hall of Famer Walter Jones. Wow. <laughs> and Steve Hutchinson. So it wasn't, it wasn't your best game? Actually, it was a pretty good game on my part. We lost, <laughs> but I played well. I, had, I, I love how guys tackles. always remember that. Yeah, Seriously. yeah, seven tackles, a couple for loss. I mean, it was a bad <laughs> game. the numbers. I, listen, I did my job against you Walter know the Jones, numbers. but we still, we still were on the losing <laughs> side of it. I love it. You know, it's funny because I said to Landon Collins the other day, and because he he's only played in one playoff game, and that was with the Giants because he was injured when Washington made it. And, yeah, I uh, remember the Green, that, the Green Bay, the, the famous or infamous Green Bay game. Yeah, obviously a disaster for the Giants overall. But yeah. he was telling me, I was like, how did you play? And he was like, did the same thing. He ripped off like everything he did. He's like, oh, I actually played a really good game. And he knew, <laughs> he remembered, he remembered yeah. all the details of how he played. But you, but you, but you know game. what, though, Jordan? You mm-hmm. know who doesn't remember? The fans. They don't care about no, the individual stats. It's true. They care about the team getting playoff wins and being able to win championships. And I, I got to say, that was the difference when I was playing with the Dallas Cowboys at the time versus playing with the New York Giants under Tom Coughlin. The Cowboys under Wade Phillips, it wasn't necessarily the most cohesive bunch, even though we had a ton of talent. <laughs> with Tom Coughlin and the 2011 Giants, not as talented as the 2007 Dallas Cowboys, but that doesn't always matter. Bill Parcells used to say it all the time. The best players don't always make the best team, but the best team always wins. Yeah, let me say that doesn't surprise me that you say that under uh, Wade Phillips there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just going to leave that, leave that he's there. He's going to leave that right there. Okay. <laughs> so, how do you feel about this matchup with the Vikings for the Giants? Like where, where do you look at as the key? Because obviously these two teams already met, ended on a 61-yard field goal as time expired by Greg Joseph. The Vikings led most of the game, but the Giants also played a pretty poor fourth quarter, made some key mistakes there that has them thinking that they should have won that game. 
Well, yeah, and and even if you go to the first half, I mean, you're talking about the team having two-plus territory turnovers. Those are opportunities that you can't give away. And in the block punt in the fourth quarter that led to a touchdown for the Vikings, the Vikings are far too good of a team to give those opportunities to. So I think if you cut down on those mistakes, the Giants are right there. Now, I think the game plan has to feature a heavy dose of the running game and that's not just Saquon Barkley, but that's Daniel Jones on the design runs. I think they got to go to the well some more. What we saw in that Indianapolis game, the home finale for the Giants, mm-hmm. they need to continue to carry that over. It, it's got to be Daniel Jones being efficient in the red zone, not only with his arm, but with his legs. I think if they capitalize on situational football in the red zone, they stay in third and manageable, they can make it a fourth quarter game. And I think that has to be the mentality when you're talking about a road playoff game and your quarterback's first foray into the postseason. Yeah, no doubt. As a defense, you've gone against great players in the past. I'm sure you've, you know, some legendary wide receivers. Justin Jefferson is that guy right now. I mean, he's basically shattering records of guys in his first three years in the league. And you're talking about players like Randy Moss there. That's how good this guy is. Like he's basically performing at that level. When a defense goes against a guy like that, do you, how do you approach it? Do you just concede he's going to get his and worry more about stopping everybody else? Like what, what is the mentality that you think the Giants need to have in that regard? Well, the Green Bay Packers didn't concede that he was going to get his a few weeks ago, right? They do have they Jair do Alexander. I don't see they him do, on they, this they, team, unfortunately. No, 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 he's not on this <laughs> team. But, but, but I guess my point is, even when you don't have a top flight corner on them, the responsibility for that player is on everybody. All 11 that's on the field, you got to know where he's at. And the communication on the back end, but also the communication up front with the defensive line because Russian coverage work together. So that's going to mean Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence and all of those guys making sure that they're tied together when they're pressuring Kirk Cousins because the last thing you can do is allow the quarterback to extend it down because even the best defensive back can't cover forever against a guy like Justin Jefferson. So I think communication defensively from front to back is going to be paramount in order to limit the opportunities for Justin Jefferson to impact the game. Yeah, my limit is the key there because I don't think you you don't really stop Justin Jefferson. You limit him. Uh, you have a lean. You have a lean in this game at this point. We're taping this on Thursday afternoon, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to lean toward the Minnesota Vikings, but I'm not saying that with my chest. Obviously, my heart is with the Giants. And the other thing is I don't quite trust Kirk Cousins. When he's not playing at 1 o'clock or noon central, Mm -hmm. he's a disaster of a quarterback. He started in three playoff games, I believe it is, Jordan, and the only one he won was a 105 kickoff. The other two, not only did his team lose, but they got blasted. When he was with the Commanders, they lost to the Green Bay Packers at home. When he was with the Vikings, they lost on the road to the San Francisco 49ers, and that was a beatdown. So I I just – Kirk Cousins of it all makes me a little bit nervous. These two teams are relatively evenly matched. When you look at uh, point differential, which is a good indicator of how good a football team is. (laughs) Which isn't very good for either team. Both both teams have a negative point differential. The Giants, I think, are are, are minus six, and the the Vikings are minus three. So, I mean, they're both right there. Um, what this is going to come down to is the team that can avoid making the critical mistakes and then one or two of your eight players stepping up and making the consequential play that can determine the outcome. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that's what Saquon Barkley said the other day. He's like, 
you know, he called them the guys. Like the Giants have their guys, the guys, you know, basically the the core, the the Daniel Jones, the uh Saquons, the Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, those kind of guys. He like those guys, he said, didn't make enough plays late in that first Minnesota game in order for them to win this game. The guys have to come and come up big in big spots at the end, and that that'll help them, you know, to have a better result this time. I'll end on this though, real quick, Chris. If I gave you a vote for coach of the year, you have guys like Kyle Shanahan, Dan Campbell, uh, Nick Sirianni, Brian Dable. I might be missing someone, leaving somebody out. Mike uh, Tomlin? No, uh, Mike Tomlin, or even even more, I think it's uh, Doug Peterson would be the guy I would say. Doug Peterson? Yeah. Where would you, where would you go? Where would your vote go? Obviously, there's a lot of really good candidates there. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I got to say this, man. I, I would go with Mike Tomlin. Mike I really Tomlin. would. That's a little off the, off the grid. I wasn't actually thinking well, that. I mean, I mean well, well, think about it. I get it. The team, the team it. started two and six with a rookie quarterback. I mean, they started with Mitch Trubisky, then turned to a rookie quarterback and Kenny Pickett. They were two and six and dead in the water. And mm-hmm. T.J. Watt missed a substantial portion of the, of the season. And he's by far their best player, their most impactful player. And yet they still found a way to be in playoff contention. In week 18. Think about that. TJ yeah. Watt missed seven games this season. Seven they games. Were, they were not the same without him. They were and not guy, the same. This guy won defensive guy. player of the year last year, missed seven games. And Mike mm-hmm. Tomlin still finishes with a winning record. Are you kidding me? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would vote for Mike Tom, Mike Tomlin. As much as I love what Brian Dable has done and my former teammate Dan Campbell uh and Aaron Glenn out in Detroit, I, I gotta go with Tomlin. Like a young quarterback missing missing a huge piece, the best player on your team for a substantial portion of the season and still finding a way to be in playoff contention in the final week of the season. That was damn impressive. Interesting. All right. Appreciate you, Chris Candy. As always, continued success. We love, we love to see it here. We really do. All right. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. Let's go. Giants. All right. <laughs> Look at that. Chris Candy pumped up, baby. On to the next one. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's wrap this up with a quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. I've told this story before, but because the Giants are actually back in the playoffs, I will tell you about the only playoff game I've covered as a reporter on the Giants. I've covered playoff games before with the Eagles. When I covered the Eagles, I've helped on playoff games uh, with the Eagles. Actually, the Eagles-Vikings in the uh, NFC Championship I covered. Uh, a few years back when the, Eagles, the year the Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl, I was helping our Eagles guy. I helped uh, our Patriots guy a bunch of years in the playoffs as well. But the only playoff game I went to covering the Giants is obviously this one. It was that Green Bay game, 2017, 2016 season. And boy, was I sick. So sick. I've told the story before, so I'll tell an abbreviated version. That I was sitting in the press box, hat, gloves, jacket, shivering, having taken uh, Dramamine or whatever that stuff is called that you that you take. Uh, yeah, I mean, that you take on an airplane so you don't get 
nauseous on an airplane or car ride. It wasn't drama. It was something like that, though. I forget which one it actually was. And I, and I just was sitting there. I could barely move. Why? Because I had a stomach bug. And I threw up probably, no joke, 30 times that day before the game. Middle of the night, crawling to the bathroom in the hotel room, probably 10 to 15 times, slept by the toilet. Then we had a drive from Milwaukee to Green Bay. I couldn't sit in the backseat of the car with anybody else, so I had to drive myself. I had to stop midway, threw up, stop, take a nap on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere of Wisconsin. Not kidding. Slept on the side of a road. Got to Lambeau Field. Threw up in the Lambeau Field parking lot probably another five times all over myself. Had to ditch the tie I was wearing. Remember that. And I remember like, it, was, it was negative with the windshield there. It was about zero. Single digits, I believe, and then with the windshield negative. And it felt so good like I, because I was sweating profusely. You know how when you feel terrible and you're throwing up and you feel crappy? That the negative felt good. That's how terrible I felt. And I took another nap in the car before the game until I could go inside. And Dan Graziano gave me the medication, I believe, if I remember correctly, at some point. And I, couldn't, I could barely move. Like... It, I, it took all my energy because I, I couldn't eat. I threw up all day, all night, all morning. I had nothing in me. Like, walking down to the locker room was an effort. I'm pretty sure I didn't ask a question at any press conference. Just stood around. Don't even know. I can't even remember. I guess I wrote something. Don't know how. But, man, what a miserable experience. Now, the Giants playing the Vikings, this has nothing to do with me working because this is way predates me working. But I remember the last time the Giants, and I just want to tell the story because I thought it was funny. The Giants were playing the Vikings. Remember? Playoffs, NFC Championship, 2000. I'm at college. I'm at Maryland. And I remember at the time having bet the over in the game. And the Giants are up 41-0. Probably like early third quarter. Just absolutely smashed them. I believe they scored the first touchdown. It was a tumor touchdown. And then the next thing you know, they kick off. Minnesota screws it up, doesn't catch the kickoff. It bounces backwards towards the Giants. They pick up the ball. They're on like the 30. They score a few plays later. 14-0. Boom. Right there. I'm like, oh, great start. Five minutes into the game. Gets to 41-0 in the middle of the third quarter. I have the over. I remember I bet the over. Not working at this time, so I can gamble. Doesn't matter. And the, nobody scores for the rest of the game. Nobody scored for the last quarter and a half. That's the Vikings. Like the Randy Moss Vikings. I believe Dante Culper might have been Culpepper might have been the quarterback at the time. But still, they don't score again. One of the baddest beats. I can remember it would be on bad beats for SVP for sure these days. 41-0. I think the over-under was like 41 and a half or 42. They didn't score for a quarter and a half. Nobody. Man, that was a miserable day for me. Sitting there watching that fourth quarter. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. That's it. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. But I'm sure, by the way, Giants fans will take 41-0 there. They'll take 41-0 in this game in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you after the wild card weekend. We'll see if we have more football, more playoff football on the horizon. You know what? It's possible. See you next time.